Today, if you or someone you love has interacted with Donald Trump on Twitter, you too could be on a government watch list. And you'll never believe who was in charge of a Texas school district's sex curriculum. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. It was someone who probably was an expert at it. That's all I'll say. You'll have to tune in to find out more. And we've got much more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, and I am joined today by Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, the world-renowned Stu Does America. I like that. You make it sound important. It is important. Okay, good. It's so important that everyone, me. everyone, Stu, are you subscribed to Stu Does America? Uh, yeah, it sounds like too much of a commitment, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone needs to be subscribed, not just on YouTube. Not just on Blaze TV, but also wherever you get your podcasts. You can pay me later. Also joined by Jason Buttrell, chief researcher of the Glenn Beck program, uh, who you, well, you can find on YouTube on this channel. <laughs> Go Cowboys. <laughs> oh, wow. What a terrible way to start a show. I, with you, I had they to. They really, I, I mean, stop. before we started, they were like, bah, 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 about the NFL. So that's not surprising. Um, okay, so I myself have interact, well, I did interact quite frequently with Donald Trump's Twitter account, which I will say was the most amusing Twitter account of all time, <laughs> yeah. I think. Have you? Who didn't? In the that's country. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, okay, so the three of us. I don't think me, I've ever interacted with Donald Trump's Twitter account, but I probably have interacted with your Twitter account and yours, so I'm probably on any you're, list so that you're yes, on. Yeah, yeah. So we're the you, and you're the someone you love in, in, in my oh. opening here. Wait, you love me? You <laughs> love me. You really wow. love me. Um, so the Department, of Just the Department of Justice, of course, under uh, Joe Biden, has demanded information on, quote, all users, end quote. Yes, all users who interacted with Donald Trump's Twitter account leading up to the January 6, 2021 protest at the Capitol. This is, of course, uh, according to these recently released uh, heavily redacted search warrants. So this is a 14-page search warrant. Uh, eight pages of those 14 are actually completely redacted, so you can't see anything that's on those pages. But Jack Smith has requested that Twitter turn over Trump's search history, location data, privacy, account settings, and direct messages from October 20, 2020 to January 2021. And also they want the content of all tweets created, drafted, favorited, liked, favorited slash liked, or retweeted by Trump's account, including deleted tweets, and a list of all users uh, who Trump's account followed, unfollowed, muted, unmuted, blocked, or unblocked, as well as all users who have followed, unfollowed, muted, unmuted, blocked, or unblocked his account, That's which is literally though. everyone who's ever been on Twitter. Right. I mean, how many followers do you have? A hundred million? Yeah. Like, if they blocked his account? Yes. Un muted, unmuted, blocked, unblocked, followed, liked, like interacted with at all. That's easily 350 million people. <laughs> That's, to be That's everyone who's ever been on Twitter, <laughs> except Stu. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> when you have all those categories, I may actually fall into one of them, I'm sure. <laughs> what if you muted a word? that Donald Trump then tweeted. Does that count as you muted him? I mean, just done. ask for all of it, just, right? Just say, I want all Twitter user information. <laughs> yeah. right? like, uh, what do you, this is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, and it shows how deep they've gone on this. This is really, their game plan is to target everybody who opposes them. And uh, this is, a, I guess, a good starting point. You just go after anyone. But I mean, th this is also, 
every Democrat, right? Exactly. Uh, right? This is the Krasenstein brothers are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> they commented on every single one of his posts. And they're not supporters of him. No. Well, a lot of people, you know, who would interact with him would be, they're calling him names. I mean, what about all those nice Democrats that have been calling him Hitler all these years? I mean, like, they now are on the government list as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they would say they've done nothing wrong, so they don't have to care. But, uh, you know, like, they are just casting this net so wide. And it's, you know, look, there's a lot to, that has been said about January 6th, and a lot of it at this point is just boring. But, like, it does show, like, they will look for any reason, right? They, they, they've been looking for a reason to do all this stuff anyway. You go back to the Edward Snowden days, right? Like, they had all these things in place, not because they were worried about January 6th, because they wanted to do it no matter what happened, and they were looking for an excuse to do it. And when something like January 6th happens and it, you know, infuriates, you know, really everybody. I mean, no one was like, oh, hey, January 6th, great day, uh, except for the guy with the horns on his head. And I don't even think he feels that way anymore. Um, he does not. He does not. No. Um, so, you know, it, it was just an excuse to be able to do all these things that they wanted to do for yeah. years and years and years and years anyway, and were prevented by our Constitution from doing. And now they're finding ways around that. Yeah, uh, excellent point. And I completely agree. This is not a Donald Trump issue. This is not a January 6th issue. No. This is something much larger. And I put it into the context of, did you guys see what uh, Michael Schellenberger dropped today? Yeah. Yes. That is nuts. Yeah, ex- explain that. Explain that so, for the audience. So, he, so his big thing, you know, jihad, is censor- censorship mm-hmm. and uh, the government's collusion with that. Um, there was a group of uh, military contractors that got together right after, and this is even something they point out, right after the Donald Trump election, Surprise is what he put it, and also the Brexit surprise. So this is clearly partisan right off the jump, mm-hmm. I mean, right out of the jump, right out of the gates. Right after that, they decided to look at misinformation and disinformation, not only to point it out and call it out, but this is where it gets crazy. I think they call it cognitive security to make sure they counter. So these are active measures if you look at it in intelligence, you know, you know, words. These are active measures to go in, identify, and cognitive security means to change people's minds. So they want to counter this misinformation, but then basically hack Americans' minds so that they don't believe that anymore. This is absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. But they partnered with government organizations like Department of Homeland Security, CISA. These organizations Pu- these public-private partnerships, which they even mention that in, in, their, in their documents, public-private partnerships. Why do they do that? Because in the private sector, they can get away with it where they can't get away with it in the mm-hmm. government public sector. Mm-hmm. This, this is targeted on you, on all of us. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to do. This is not a Donald Trump thing. This is not a January 6th thing. Which, I mean, to his credit, he's been saying this for a while, Donald Trump, is just like, they, they want you. I'm just standing in the way. Like they're coming they're coming after you. It's not me. I'm just the figurehead of all of this. They want you. And to his point, it's like what possible thing would Jack Smith learn from knowing who muted or unmuted or blocked or unblocked Donald Trump from October 2020 to January 6, 2020? What possible Nothing. information, valuable Access. information? Exactly. That's it. Because not only does he want all of the other things we went over, he wants uh, devices used to log in, uh, IP addresses, um, any communications with Twitter's team regarding the account. I mean, this is just to wield their power uh, to access all of all the information about Donald Trump and well, about all of you as well. But what's fascinating to me is that 
They I'm, gave. I'm just, can I interrupt you one second? Sure. Uh, I'm I'm curious if he'll fight the fight the you know the the attempt to get Joe Biden's phone information, his location direction uh, information, right. when Hunter Biden sent off that text where he said, "Dad's here with me right now." Yeah, great point. Yeah, I, they don't I'm seem just to want that. Uh, yeah, that yeah. that information when it comes to Joe Biden. Um, by the way, even though we have pictures of Hunter at Joe's house that same day that he shot off that WhatsApp message. Um, nobody seems to be interested in that in the DOJ. I don't know. It's really weird. But um, I found it fascinating. The DOJ gave Twitter 10 days to give them basically every piece of information on their company that they've ever had. 10 days. Within 10 days of this, of this uh, issuance of this warrant, they are ordered to disclose the above information. I'm just going to give him a password to the server. So that point, you know, just, I guess just <laughs> you take go. whatever you want. And then about 1,000 yeah. analysts? To look through millions and millions of users? That's so ridiculous. So it's, it's got to be a show thing, right? There's no way Elon Musk is going to give that up, well, right? Well, I mean, apparently they are, they're arguing right now, the company is arguing that the, the order violated the First Amendment and the Stored Communications Act. Um, and so they're trying to fight it. I don't know if they're, I mean, you would hope that the richest man in the world would be prepared to fight something like this, like, until it's over. Um, but but still, I don't know how they would have the time. That's like that's when, what I'm yeah, saying. Like 10, 10 days to give every bit of information on your company ever is like, which, I mean, again, like th- that's a lot of information. That's like when Glenn, before the meet, like before our radio show starts at 8, at like 7 a.m., he'll be like, hey, Jason, can you read through the most recent omnibus and you know, let me know about where the good stuff is? <laughs> it's 1,200 pages. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, exactly, uh, exactly. And you can't even read, so it makes it. And I can't read. Yeah. Uh. It, I found it fascinating that he has the job he has when yeah. he without being read. able to read. Yeah. He's an amazing I'm writer that for charming. his you know, lack of ability. <laughs> to read. Um, you know, it's funny because I mean, you go, you mentioned the public-private partnership. I think this is one of the most interesting parts of this um, because they will go as far as they can within the government to do all of these things and implement them. They will then press beyond that and test the courts um, and and see how far they can go there. And when they get stopped, that's not a a reason to stop. Then they look for ways around the stuff that they are getting blocked by. Mm -hmm. If the Constitution's in the way, well, if we work with private companies, they can do it. Another part of this was working with foreign governments. So, you know, we can't spy on our own people, and Great Britain can't spy on their own people, but we can spy on the British people, and the British people government can spy on our people, and then we can just trade information. Yeah. And it's like, that is in these documents. If, if this is true, this is from a whistleblower, right? This yeah. is where this comes from. If this winds up being true and all the, you know, Michael Schellenberger, Schellenberger is very reliable, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, you know... Uh, certainly it's true up to the extent that we know at this point, but um, if it winds up playing out this way, this is a major constitutional violation. This is something that people should go to prison for. I mean, this mm-hmm. is these type of thing that uh, that should, you know, this, is, this should lead to impeachments. It should lead to all of the highest consequences that we have uh, for these types of crimes because, I mean, this is fundamentally, we have to be able to trust our government to not break the Constitution. We don't have visibility into everything that, that they're doing. And in some ways, of course, that makes sense, right? There's going to be things that are private and, and things that we don't know about. Um, so we don't have oversight over, over everything. So when they break those rules and we do find out about them, there has to be swift and severe punishment. Put another way, every time you hear Joe Biden or anybody else on the left, even now on the right, every time they invoke the, the term public-private partnership, it means they want to do something illegal, but they have a hurdle, so they went around yep. the Constitution for another yep. way. Yep. It's a great way of translating it. Yeah. Um, okay, so on the topic of uh, the 
political weaponization um, of the not just the DOJ, but it seems every government, federal government department, um, and the witch hunt of Donald Trump, which for all of the the, the leftists who were like, oh, he's he's screaming witch hunt. That's not true. Do you believe us yet? Do you believe us yet? They're trying to throw him in prison for literally everything. They're trying to get all of the information about anyone who's ever uh, interacted with his Twitter account. And now the latest, um, earlier this week, the judge in his, this is his D.C. case. I know we get all these indictments confused and, you know, the left will say like, oh, well, Joe Biden hasn't been indicted on anything. Donald Trump has, what, 91 or however much they say. Yeah, that kind of, that proves our problem. point, not yours. Right, that proves <laughs> our point, not yours. Um, so this judge, Tanya Chutkin, um, in the, the District of Columbia, denied a motion from Trump's team to subpoena records they said were missing from the archived records of the January 6th Select Committee. Um, these apparently are records that were not turned over after the investigation was complete, which you would think a judge would find to be kind of a problem if there were records that were not produced, they were not turned over after the investigation was complete. If you're talking about any uh, any judge that's worth anything, um, who actually is unbiased and just wants justice and wants the justice system to work properly, probably a judge would say, "Yeah, we should we should do that." Well, no, um, this judge said no. She said uh, such pretrial subpoenas. They wanted to subpoena not only the um, the National Archives, but also the clerk of the House of Representatives, the Committee on House Administration, special counsel to uh, the. The president, Richard Sauber, of the that committee, um, Department of Homeland Security employees, uh, and two representatives. And she said that that the pretrial subpoenas must clear three hurdles: relevancy, admissibility, and specificity. And that he hasn't justified his requests for these missing materials. He's not justified. It's not justified. It's not justified that they just withheld certain parts of the investigation. That's not enough. You need more than that to issue subpoenas for this information. This is amazing. This, this, is, this is like what happens. These are basic rights that are granted to someone that's been charged for something in a standing trial. This reminds me of, there's this awesome documentary called Iron Eagle from the 1980s. I'm oh, sure yeah. you've seen it, Stu. I do remember that, yeah. Um, but Great yeah, it's, it's crazy. The kid like flies an F-16 to go rescue his dad. But he's standing trial in another country in a dictatorship. And I remember him standing there. He's like, what do you have to say for yourself? And he starts talking, and they just cut him off. Like, go to jail. You're getting your head lopped off. This is what this feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, the, the trial is about January 6th, and you can't get information that's been hidden about, about January, January 6th. 6th. Right. It's almost, Jason, it's almost like they don't actually want the truth, or they already know the truth, and it's not helpful to them. No, so, put them behind bars. Right. That's, that's the priority number one. They have to manipulate the truth so that they can put their political opposition in prison. That's literally what we're talking about, mm -hmm. in prison. I think what's maybe most fascinating to me about this is the decision-making process of the Republican primary voter. Because I think that right now there's a disconnect and to, as to, okay, we all know that Donald Trump is, everybody in the government is going after Donald Trump. The deep state's going after him. I think everybody who is pro probably 90% of the listeners would, would agree with that statement. And it's true in my, in my view as well. The question is, how do you deal with that? Are they going to be successful? These are people we all agree are the most powerful people. They are certainly the most powerful people in these areas. They can get Donald Trump to be in prison. They can do. They got 91 charges against him. So what do you do uh, with this information? It's tough because, like, I think there's an, an instinct to just say, "Screw you! I, I, I'm going to go with him yeah. more now Absolutely. because Absolutely. because they're coming after him." The other side of that is you got to look at a, an election process where you know. 
it's almost impossible to get less than 45% for either one of these parties. You're talking about 5 or 10% in the middle that will make the decision on who the next president is. And if he's going through this stuff, is it too much for him to handle? You know, I mean, I think it's a legitimate question for people. And, I, and right now, I, see, I think there's a disconnect. For people say, it's unfair, but it won't work. I think that's where people are. But I think as we get into this process, it's going to start looking a lot more like it's going to work as far as actually legally punishing him. Mm-hmm. And once we get to that point... Uh, if that's what happens, it's going to be a convoluted process. This is going to be in the middle of voting. This guy's going to be in the middle of these trials, in the middle of voting. It's unfair. It's wrong. But of course, you know, the voter has to make a pragmatic decision on what they think is best for the country. It's not going to be easy. I mean, I think a lot of people just want to push back and just say, screw you. But there's a lot of people, I think, who are looking at this and going, gosh, like, if we get, if he is the nominee and he's in jail or he's in, what does that happen? What independent's going to vote for a guy in, in prison? And I can understand both of those. Yeah, I really positions. can. Yeah. But, but he is getting the independent votes right now, from he what it right looks now, like. Yeah. He's up for the first time ever, going all the way back to the last election. Isn't he up like two points? Yeah, well, I'm doing this. Uh, That's crazy. I mean, he's doing. Uh, I mean, his numbers are much much better um, among uh, independents now. We're doing something on Studios America tonight, going through some of these most recent polls, and you know, like the real clear politics average is a nice basic thing that everyone kind of understands. All the polls together, uh, Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden by I think it's about three points right now. Oh, it's three. Uh, I think it's two point eight last time I checked. That is higher than at any other time, mm. not in twenty twenty four. But 2024, 2020, and 2016, wow. he's never wow. led by that much, and he's never led by that much for the, uh, this long. Wow. Uh, so, uh, again, polls can be deceiving, especially a year out from the election. I don't know if people have connected with the realities of what next year is going to look like yet, and that's why you got to be hesitant and realize this is a very liquid Mm-hmm. scenario yeah. right now. I mean, everything's very, it's very fluid. It's very, like like your gender. Like gender. It's very fluid. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're going to go to break. I want to uh, first thank our sponsor, Birch Gold. So uh, diversify, you can diversify your savings with physical precious metals while stockpiling silver in your home safe, which everyone should have. This is their most popular special of the year now through December 22nd. For every $5,000 you spend with Birch Gold, they're going to send you one ounce silver eagle coin for free. You can text the word Y to 989898 to claim your eligibility. Uh, You can have gold and silver. You can purchase it and have it shipped directly to your home. Or you can have Birch Gold's specialists help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to spend a penny out of pocket, and they'll send you free silver for every $5,000 that you purchase. So I'm just saying. And they look really cool is all I'm saying. So you can keep it for yourself, put it in your safe, or you can, I don't know, put this fits in a stocking, especially if the stocking says Sarah Gonzalez on it. Just saying. You can text the word Y to 989898 to claim that eligibility. Uh, my family uses Birch Gold. I suggest you do as well. That is texting the word Y to 989898. Before we move on to this next story, and I, I do want to move on to it, it's the update in the uh, Kansas City Chiefs young little fan who was just. Well, we'll get into it. Um, I do just want to make a note. We were talking about primaries. I cannot tell you how frustrating it is to hear from those of you who are like, yeah, but who are you voting for, Sarah? Yeah, but who are you voting for, Sarah? I have half of you calling me a Trump shill. I have half of you calling me a DeSantis shill. And the thing is, is that I respect my viewers enough and I trust you guys enough that I don't consider myself so important that I need to tell you who to vote for. Like, I, I don't I don't understand that frame of mind. I don't like I don't need to tell you who to vote for. That's your decision, not mine. I just wanted to make that clear. OK, 
Um, so who are you voting for? <laughs> who are you voting for? So who are you voting for? Do you guys remember when that used to be a secret? <laughs> when yeah, that was like a, that was like a common thing was just like I don't need to share with anyone who I voted for because that's like my personal opinion. And by the way, maybe I haven't made up my mind yet, and that's also something that's supposed to be allowed. Um, it's just fascinating that now it's just like yeah, but who are you endorsing? Yeah, but who are you endorsing? Yeah, but who are you voting for? Like I don't, I don't, you don't need me to tell you that. Trust yourself. You don't need me to tell you. You're an adult. Right. We're, we're not your parents. I, and that's because I respect. I think you're intelligent enough to come up with it on your own. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You make your own decisions. I mean, we, look, there are a lot of people who, who will tell you, and that's their decision. I, I don't think there's anything if, wrong with that either. No, of but, course not. But we made the same decision over on the radio show. Just like, you know, I, I try to think of what I want to get out of a show, right? Like, what do I want to get out of a show? For me, I like going to, to, to hear from people and hear that you know, people that I respect and have them analyze things mm-hmm. and maybe give me a new perspective. Like, I don't want to be told and, and have my finger shake, you know, shaken at me over and over again about who I should vote for and who I shouldn't vote for. Like, you know, like I, I try to take uh, our role here um, as podcasters right. and radio hosts in stride. Like, right. we're we're a small part of your life, and we love being a part of your yeah. life. But the, at the end of the day, we don't rule your life. We're not, we're, we're, we're doing the same thing you are. We're living in America yes. trying to understand what's going on in the world. And so we give you our perspective. We're not trying to boss you around and tell you what to do. And trying to call balls and strikes. So, like, I will tell you, they are completely weaponizing the entire uh, federal government against Donald Trump. And it's bull****. I will also tell you that Ron DeSantis has been a fantastic governor. Yeah. And it's not a rhino. Like, two things can be true. And I love both of them. So two things can be true at once. I'm just so tired of the primary battle. Three things can be. Doug Burgum's better than both of them. And let's be honest about it. Doug Burgumentum, he's about to take this thing any day now. Any day now. This is when he makes his move. It's not going to happen. You two are such shills. I'm I'm (laughs) Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people are like, oh, when when is your check coming in the mail, Sarah? I'm like, is that a a thing I can sign up for? I would love. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's talk. I've never gotten a check from anyone about that. Um, All right, so let's get to this adorable little Kansas City Chiefs fan who uh, recently was criticized by a deadspin writer. What's his name? Karen Karen Phillips. There it is. I'm sorry. He pronounces it Karan, but we all know that he's a Karen. And um, so he criticized this Chiefs fan um, by pretending like he was wearing blackface, only showing, of course, one side of his face when we all saw that the one half was painted black, one half was painted uh, red. Unreal. With a headdress. So, like, obviously he was not trying to do blackface. He's clearly dressed up as a Kansas City Chief. Uh, Well, the plot thickens because not only um, was this... Karen Phillips defamatory in his uh, insistence that this little boy was racist and was wearing blackface. Um, It turns out that this little boy, whose name is Holden Armenta, turns out that uh, he is Native American. And his grandfather, Raul Armenta, actually sits on the board of the Chumash tribe in California wow. <laughs> where they live. So yeah, he, like, he is Native American. So he's just not cultural appropriation. He's not, uh, he's not being racist. Uh, he was, of course, just a little boy going to a football game trying to have fun. But just the beautiful, beautiful part of this story that he actually is Native American. is just, Look at him with the other team's cheerleaders. That is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> whole life. And that man at Deadspin tried to ruin this entire kid's life. He's 10. He's barely started his life, and they're already trying to ruin him for it. Unbelievable. So a uh, tip to Karen Phillips. Um, actually, he is, he's Native American. So what are you, are you trying to... Uh, to they call it white splaining. Would this be black? You're trying to black splain to a Native American about how to paint his face when he wants to celebrate his team? Is that what we're doing now? 
is ridiculous. Yeah, because he eventually, he initially doubled down on it uh -huh. and uh, then deleted his tweet, mm -hmm. which was basically... Oh, did he delete it? Yeah, he, at least one of them. I don't know. He, he, I, uh, one of the tweets he, did, he, he kept put out going, there. He kept so, going okay. and saying, like, it's actually worse because, yeah. you know... You uh, ain't Mexicans and you wear sombreros right. on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I know. He's, I mean, look, it's a disgrace. And, and, you know, this is, of course, the end of the road of these stupid woke const, you know complaints all the time right like when you're jumping to these conclusions you're you're liable to make um, a, a, an error like this uh, cuz i you know i don't know maybe initially he did think it was blackface it, it, it would have been a dumb observation even then though right like, who cares yeah it's a kid even if his face was all black right if he was a if he was a raiders fan and he just went all black cuz it's one of their main colors right. or something like it, it wouldn't it, it was intent is really important in these situations um, if you have, and it's why on the left they give passes to people like Trudeau and the governor of Virginia, the old governor of Virginia, for having blackface because oh well they're good people. They, they actually aren't racist. They're Democrats. They have V's next to their name, so they're good. They're okay. This situation, like they, if you can't find in your heart to give the benefit of the doubt to a young child mm -hmm. who is there trying to enjoy his game, and also then go to the point where you're going to try to ruin his life. Um, I do hope that this young kid is owning, you know, owns Deadspin. Yes. Now, I will say there's probably so much debt in that organization he might not want to own it. Um, uh, but if, if it, in some way, I hope he gets a hold of the entire thing. And you know, it, it's a, it's a, it should, this person should be seen as an international disgrace for trying to ruin the the life of a five year old or ten year old, whatever he is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't know if the left will run to his aid as they usually do in these situations. But, uh, I, I mean, certainly he does not regret it. I mean, he's, he's deleting these tweets or whatever he's doing to try to hide from the responsibility. Yep. And I don't think that's going to work. Yep. Jason. Um, what makes this even more nefarious is that this is not about the kid. This is like what we were talking about before. It's the other one, you know, it's not the, the indictments against Donald Trump, everything happening. It's not about him. It's not about January 6th. It's a much larger thing. Um, the kid is collateral damage mm -hmm. in this. Um, I'm sure it's obvious he, he's not a moron. He, yeah, well, okay, he's a moron. He's a moron. Yeah. Two things can be true at once. Two things can be true at once. Um, but he knows that this kid is not being racist. Right. You saw that title. He, he's he's trying to pressure the NFL as if the NFL is like well, NFL. What are you going to do about this? You're going to say anything, about? Roger Goodell? Yeah, like like what? <laughs> this is all about, and this is being taught in universities. Uh, this is being pushed by like DEI officers all over the place. They're trying to you know, gain leverage over corporations. That's what they're trying to do. They want to direct, you know, activity. They don't, they want to d d direct how, how these companies do their jobs or do their business. Mm -hmm. That's what this is all about. To where eventually it's like one homogenous thing, all, you know, directed in one location, right in line with what the government wants. As long as the government's in power, you know, their side's in power at the time. But that's what this is all about. Yeah. It's, I mean, and you see this in every single company right now. Pretty much every single company, whether it's Nike, whether it's, you know, the MLB, which, you know, pretty much kind of gave in to them, uh, universities, everywhere. Mm -hmm. it's just, but the fact that a small child was collateral damage and is usable as collateral damage is what makes these people even look even more evil. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so I do actually sincerely hope that this family owns uh, Karen Phillips. Karen Phillips. No, I'm sorry. It's still Karen to me. Um, all right, we got to take... that butthurt about it that he had to we, do that? He literally pinned a tweet <laughs> on his account to tell everyone how to say his name. That's where we're at. This is, this is the state of journalism in 2024. Karen. 
Get over Karen it. Phillips. It's Karen. Shut up. My boss still can't say my last name. After like <laughs> That's 10 fair. Years. That's fair. Um, all right. We got to we gotta thank our sponsor here and take a break. Uh, <laughs> we want to thank our sponsor, Eden Pure. So Eden Pure is there for those of you who, you know, maybe you have stinky preteens in your house. Maybe you've got a bunch of animals. Maybe you've got all of the above like I do. You need the Thunderstorm air purifier. It gets rid of like the strongest odors, including skunk smell. Ask me how I know about that one. And there's no filters in it. It's just it comes with like an adjustable um, dial that you can do, you know, minimum to maximum, um, depending on the size of your room and, and what kind of smell you're dealing with here. And it works within seconds to remove any odors. I've tried them with the skunk smell. I've tried them with litter boxes. I've tried it with Brussels sprouts in the kitchen. I've tried it with my 11-year-old who refuses to wear deodorant. I've tried it with all sorts of smells. And it has been a godsend for me. Right now, you can save $200 on three thunderstorms for whole home protection. That is three units for under $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. Enter discount code Sarah. There's no H in Sarah, by the way. That's just an unnecessary letter. It's EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code Sarah. Texas School District, Godly ISD, Godly Independent School District, has removed a woman who had been tasked with helping decide sex curriculum after it was discovered that she had been previously convicted of prostitution. And not only that, you may think, oh, well, that's it. I mean, that she was previously convicted as a prostitute. I mean, you know. We give people second chances in society. Well, she actually is was currently advertising herself as an escort on an escort services website where she went by the name Lola Bray. Um, but this is uh, Ashley Ketcherside, and she had been appointed to— wow. You don't want your last name to sound like a disease if you happen to be a prostitute. <laughs> well, that's why she went by Lola Bray, so yeah, yeah. that's why. Lola Herpes today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So she was selected as part of the Long Range Facility Planning Committee and volunteered for the Family and Community Engagement Committee, Parent Teacher Organization, the PTO, and the Athletic Booster Club, as well as a local cheerleading group. Um, That's nice. Yeah. uh, So they, your first thought, right, is why didn't they run a background check? What's going on? Well, the school claims that they did um, and that they used DPS to run their background check um, and that somehow it fell through the crack. Uh, they said misdemeanors in the state of Texas, um, they, don't, they don't show up in these types of background checks that they typically run. However, I would like to propose something different. When you're talking about the people who you are entrusting to educate the most important thing in your whole life, Wouldn't you want to also scrub all of their social medias, right? Like, I'm not talking, I'm not talking crimes. I'm talking, who is this person? What are they about? What are their values? For instance, I've I've talked about this on the show before, but there was a charter school that my older son was going to before the pandemic hit and everything got crazy. And there was a, a new teacher um, and I like my spidey senses were tingling that I was like, this teacher just seems weird. He there's something weird about him. And he was a brand new teacher, never taught before, which I also thought was weird that the charter school allowed, but that's a different story. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he doesn't go to that school anymore. And I started going through his Facebook page and I found all this like weird, like anime kid 
the, the like young kid anime porn that he was into and all sorts of stuff just by going to his public Facebook page. And so I'm just wondering at what point are parents going to expect that their tax dollars are going to these institutions to educate their kids? I mean, maybe do a little bit more than a standard background check that only looks at felonies and doesn't take into account that there are certain misdemeanors that would apply that we would want to make sure that these people who are around our children and in contact with our children and, oh, I don't know, deciding sex curriculum for our children, maybe we want to make sure that we're covering all the bases there. Um, but again, I will say she probably did know a lot about sex. Good point. I mean, it sounds like she yeah, was an expert. Can't argue with that. Yeah. She was an expert. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that she wants, I want her teaching, deciding what my children learn about sex. She sounds like maybe she does a little bit too much of it. Right. But she, but she probably is an expert. Right. Like, you know, like if you are a bank robber, you might be good at bank security. Yeah. You know? I mean, who knows? Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a fascinating thing. And I, you're right. I mean, these are basic checks, right? Like you should, when you're talking about kids, like this is a pretty basic thing. You should be able to confirm the person hasn't sold sex for money. <laughs> Although it was back in 2012. I mean, that's, mm. uh, that's also, way back. Also 2016. Okay, but I mean, you know, and, and probably and was still currently and currently, uh, currently advertising. Yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah. still what's what was way back then in those old times uh, in October of this year. Uh, yeah. How old were you in October of this year? <laughs> do you remember that I am right now? Do you, well, do you remember that for sure? <laughs> I mean, it feels to me to be a long time ago. Actually, that does feel like ancient history. It to does, me right actually. Now, uh, the way the world is working. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's hard to even imagine. Right. I mean, I, it's hard to even imagine that something like this can happen, but it is. At the same time, so predictable, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you are when you're looking for people who to, to teach kids this type of stuff, and we know the way this has been bent in public schools recently, it's no longer teaching basics about uh, you know uh, human sexuality. Like you know, I mean, we probably all took some sort of sex ed class. I remember taking one. It was very basic. It was like very much like, hey. Here's the basic stuff. You don't like need a reproductive system. Reproductive wise, yeah. system. You learn the very basics. Um, that was what it used to be. Now there's all sorts of agendas tied to this. All sorts of weird uh, fetishes, seemingly from mm -hmm. some teachers, tied into this. And it's not surprising. These are the type of people that you're going to attract to those jobs when it, seemingly this is what these school districts want. And this one, at least, luckily they've reversed this, I guess. And yeah. but I mean, who knows? Who else is on that panel? Yeah, well, and by the way, Jason, just for context here, I mean, she, she is a parent in this school district, so she's going to have to, like, see all of these people yeah. who now know about what she does for a living and her uh, past history. Her kid is going to have to go to school in a school district where they now know all of this stuff about her. Can you imagine being her kid? Sucks. Yeah, it's sad. I, it, it's even sadder is th this is exactly how schools treat security yep. all across the board. Yep. All across the board. Like the last shooting was the last shooting in El Paso, the, the really bad one. Um, Uvalde. At that school, Uvalde. Uh, there was a. They, they, always, they always talk about like all the. Oh, we're going to dump millions and millions of dollars into security measures. They, we never really hear what those measures are. But in Uvalde, there was a door that was propped open, mm -hmm. so any, literally anybody could walk in mm -hmm. if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. They don't really take security seriously. No. And. I mean, if they're if they're not going to take the security seriously over like you know, let's say a, a school shooting. How are we to think that they're taking the most basic measures exactly. as a background check yep. that shows misdemeanors? Right. There's a lot of misdemeanors that could be committed that I don't, if they did, I don't want them around my kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's tiring. It is so tiring. 
And no matter how many different politicians will campaign on fixing these things, it never gets fixed. Yeah. It just keeps on and keeps on going. And I got, well, screw it. Let's just blame the guns then because that's an easy one. And it, of course, is up to, uh, you know, informed parents who point these things out. Like for this one, for instance, I know we got to go to break, but this was a nonprofit group called Families Engaged for Effective Education who actually like became suspicious of this chick and did the investigation and told the school about it, similar to what I did, and then sent an email to the school like, hey, what the hell? Are you guys not vetting these people on social media? It's, it, it's, it's, not the, it's not like the school is doing the due diligence. It always ends up being like uh, just a parent who actually is involved, an involved parent who's like, Oh, actually, uh, you guys are hiring like pedophiles to teach our. Ch Do you think maybe we could not hire pedophiles? I feel like that's like a it's an interesting option. <laughs> Do you I think? wonder if they've considered that. That's yeah. a one. It's another way to go. People, yeah. they should think about doing. That. I think yeah. so. Well, that's I, one of those ones where you're like, wait, I never thought of that. Yeah, right, you know, like, right, right, right. Oh, Controversial, yeah. but I'm just saying. Um, all right, we got to go. Wait, wait, how did the story end? Did they did they fire the the, the teacher? Yes. They did. Yes, they did fire him. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I already left the school. So. Right, but they did. But they did fire they him. Did yeah, they did. And they, they took very swift action. But but to, to your point really quickly, um, they they legitimately were like, oh, we well, we probably should be vetting people's Facebook pages. Yeah. We didn't think about that. I'm like, huh. you freaking think? Yeah. So, yeah, you never can be too careful when it's your kids. Um, all right, let's thank our sponsor, Preborn. So, um, Preborn is uh, one of my favorite organizations that I work with, and they make it so easy when I talk about Preborn because what they're doing just says it all. I, I, don't, I don't have to sit here and give you some, you know, rehearsed script or whatever to tell you about why you should do business with Preborn. Here's what they do. They have a network of clinics that are positioned in the highest abortion areas. They're often like right next door to these abortion centers where these women go in, they're scared, they don't know what to do, and they're being told, you can't do this alone, you have no financial backing. Uh, here, let us go ahead and kill your baby. But what Preborn is doing is they are actually going to show women the ultrasound of their babies. They're going to hear the baby's heartbeat, and that's going to make them twice as likely to choose life. And for $28, you can sponsor an ultrasound that is going to double a baby's chance at life. I would say that's money well spent. So you can donate securely. I know people are looking for ways to give, you know, before the end of the year, that tax-deductible donation. This is a very worthy cause. I really suggest that you check them out. You can go to uh, preborn.com slash Sarah or donate. You can, you can do pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Uh, or you can go to preborn.com slash Sarah. All right, if you are attending the Rockefeller Center tree lighting ceremony, which I'm not sure if they're still having, we'll get to that in a second, uh, you may need to know that there, the police are warning of elevated vigilance being necessary this year because there is a uh, pro-Palestinian protest, rally, uh, whatever you want to call it. They want to flood the event in support of Gaza. Now they do say there's no specific or credible threats uh, that are targeting the event, but these people are planning their flood the tree lighting for Gaza rally, Rockefeller Center. Um, this is later today. Bring your flags. Um, and so now, again, I don't know if this is still gonna be a thing because last I saw the Christmas tree like, <laughs> the Christmas tree was no more. Strong winds toppled it. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's the White House. Okay, <laughs> so that still can take place. Um, so, yeah. So, I just, I'm so sick of these people. 
I'm so sick of these people. I'm so tired of these people who don't know anything about anything. And if I just want, I want like an Alex Stein or someone to go up to these people at these events, because I've, I've seen these videos coming out and ask them as they are protesting and as they are trying to disrupt uh, a tradition of our country that has nothing to do with what their issue is, as they disrupt our, our country's tradition, I just would like to ask them questions about like, um, oh, I don't know, what does from the river to the sea mean? What does that actually mean? What do your chants mean? Um, you know, do, what, what happened on October 7th? Because oftentimes you'll find that these people have no freaking idea what actually happened, what they're talking about. They just learned from like their uh, communist professor that they should definitely go do a pro-Palestinian rally. My favorite part about that is that if you ask them, they would say, oh, well, Jews don't belong there. You know, they, they, you know, they never were there before 1948. But they're there protesting an event celebrating the birth of, of a Jew <laughs> who that was, lived over 2,000 years who ago. Was, who was born where? <laughs> who was born where? Uh, Bethlehem. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. Nice where one. is that? Um, uh, Montana. I think it's Montana. I think it's Montana. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. Someone uh, point that out if you're at Rockefeller. So I would love to see the reaction. Yeah, on that. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I do love this this approach, though. I think it's a smart approach for the Palestinians and the pro Hamas crowd. Um, hmm. They should go uh, disturb all of our favorite events. I um, if, I, if I may tell a uh, a story that is, I'm gonna have to pay royalties to Pat Gray for telling the story, but because he's told it to me so many times. But uh, when he was in Houston working, there was a janitor's, you know labor union dispute and they were trying to make the point that like you need janitor us janitors in the janitor union and we're going to show you how much you need us so they went out to one of the busiest um intersections in houston and they dumped trash all over the intersection so that no one could drive through and their point was like see without us there'd be trash everywhere or something but what people really took of that is like you a-holes i need to get to work and right. now i can't get through this right. important intersection yep. You go there and you disrupt the, the Macy's Day Parade and the tree lighting, all these things that people love, and you ruin them and you make them about you, yep. people are going to hate your cause. Yep. So they should continue doing this stuff. I agree. Uh, because it's just doing nothing but self-defeating nonsense. And, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't find yourself to understand that, um, you know, the murder of 1,200 people, uh, including children and, and sexual assault and, and murdering grandmothers and live streaming mm -hmm. their murders to their family's face, Facebook page. If you can't find a heart to think that that's horrible, uh, you know, you're not, you're not a human being. I totally agree. Um, by the way, that Christmas tree, the national Christmas tree near the White House uh, that was knocked over uh, due to strong winds, um, I can't think of anything more representative of the Biden administration. Perfect. And the Christmas tree just... Just like the economy, uh, the state of, you know, our schools and the border, everything in between. All right. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. Never happened before. But just like Random Twitter user, uh, Penis Beard. <laughs> Ryan Sheed, he just looks like a penis with a beard. He does? He does. He uh, Listen, just trust me on this. Mm -hmm. um, he is being 
totally ratioed on Twitter. I just, I had to share this with you guys really quickly. He posted a picture of uh, the Rosalind Carter funeral and said, Dear Melania, next funeral, just stay home. Your attention seeking is classless and not wanted. Everyone else wore black or dark blue and you know that's the protocol. If you didn't, your stylist did. I wish we could send you back to Yugoslavia. Which, first of all, for the record, gray is completely acceptable etiquette-wise to a funeral. Uh, and there was some wearing, someone wearing green. So she didn't break any etiquette rules, but also she was wearing black underneath her. It's a jacket, you dumbass. It's a jacket. She's cold. Like, she, make sure your jacket's black, too. Everything has to be black. That's not actually true. So thank you, a penis with a beard, Ryan Sheed, for giving women fashion advice for funerals. If there's anything Melania Trump is not as an attention seeker. She's like never in public. Literally. Uh, you never hear anything from her. Right. I'm stealing that Twitter handle, by the way. No one take it. Uh, I'm, I'm making <laughs> it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.